0: On episode 527 of the 40 Plus Fitness Podcast, we discuss what history tells us we're doing wrong with our health and fitness and how to fix it. You can find the full show notes for this episode at 40plusfitnesspodcast.com forward slash 527. If you decided you're ready to make a change to reclaim your health and fitness, the 40 Plus Fitness Podcast is here for you. Each week we dive deep into health and fitness topics that affect those of us over 40. I'm Alan Meisner. I'm an NSAM Certified Personal Trainer with specializations in corrective exercise, behavior change and fitness nutrition, a FAI Certified Functional Aging Specialist and an OTA Level 2 Online Trainer. I'm joined each week by our co-host Rachel Everett. She is an NASM Certified Personal Trainer and a RRCA Level 1 Run Coach. Let us be your coaches as you find your way on your health and fitness journey. All right, let's go. Hey, Raz, how are you doing? Good, Ellen. How are you today? I'm doing well. Uh, it's uh, kind of an interesting week. Uh, <laughs> I'm in the process of doing the build out for uh, the new gym. And so, you know, we're getting into the new space and Obviously, as you start doing construction and and things like that, you learn things about the the building you just rented. And so there's leaks and there's this and that. And so, you know, just things to work through. And then uh, my wife, Tammy, we were supposed to spend some time together uh, this week, uh, go out to dinner and all uh, because we're recording this over the Valentine's week. And uh, Mm -hmm. she got a, a last minute opportunity to go see a specialist for ear, nose, and throat. She's had some sinus issues uh, in Daveed, which means, okay, she's got to take a boat and then take a bus. And then you know, it's oh, a five-hour wow. trip over. And oh, so so you know, she goes over and she's over there and I'm like, okay. And then she says, well, yeah, they, they, they called me. They did get me in. It's five o'clock tomorrow. I'm like, okay, well, you could have gone tomorrow. <laughs> but anyway, so she spends the night and then she's her appointments can be you know for us later today. And then she spends the night, comes back tomorrow. And like most times when Tammy leaves and things look reasonably open, like we had three rooms open. So, you know, really low volume here for us to kind of just say, okay, there's basically three breakfasts to do in the morning, uh, one checkout, you know, easy stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, actually we had no checkups, but not supposed to have any checkouts this morning, but, um, then, yeah, all of a sudden we have two couples booking and I'm like, okay, running yeah. around. Cause I don't, you know, I, she usually goes, picks them up and this and that. So we're. I'm trying to just manage all that and run that. So it's a little bit of juggling, uh, but it's good juggling. Cause it's, uh, it's, it's growth and it's, uh, mm-hmm. it's opportunity, new people. Um, so yeah, it says it's good. It's just, uh, kind of busy. <laughs> and, and I do have some other news. Uh, we, mm-hmm. um, I have signed an agreement an affiliate agreement with, uh, keto mojo. Oh. And th- these guys, this is my, my favorite glucose keto monitor, uh, blood monitor. Mm-hmm. And the reason I like these guys so much is that their their keto strips mm-hmm. are the cheapest you're going to find on the market. You know, they're really expensive if you want to do blood ketones all the time regularly. Mm-hmm. But the Keto Mojo makes it much more cost effective to do it mm-hmm. if you want to do it every day. And they also they do and the machine they have does both the glucose and the ketones. Uh, mm-hmm. And they have their own proprietary little formula for kind of how you're opt- potentially optimizing your your glucose key, ketone levels, uh, but now the new one, they the GK Plus. It actually syncs with your phone, so you have a whole app oh. on your phone, and you you take the readings. You don't have to write anything down or put anything <laughs> like a spreadsheet. Uh, it just literally just goes right to your phone, and you've got charts and diagrams and the whole bit. It's it's actually really really cool. And they they just came out with this GK Plus. I was I had their old monitor, and when I saw they had the GK Plus, I immediately ran out and <laughs> bought it. And so Sweet. I've been using that for about a week, and this thing, it, it's literally like having someone standing there telling you how to, how to do it because wow. you know, you, you turn it on and it tells you, okay, put the meter thing in and you put the meter thing in. It tells you it's in all right. And then it says, okay, now put the blood and you you know, stick yourself and you put a little bit of blood on there. Not much, actually probably less than on the last ones. And then boom, it's, it counts it down from nine, 10, you know, nine all the way down. And then it's uh it gives you your reading. And, like I said, then it can sync with an app on your phone, and you've got that that data right there. So it's um, it's a really cool nice. thing. and And the other thing that's cool about it is they're giving anyone that uh, follows my link a fifteen mm-hmm. percent uh, discount off oh, them nice. off the meter, any of the meter kits. They got like a couple different kits, like a starter kit and a like a deluxe kit. Uh, they don't they can't do that on the strips because the strips are already. Really, really well-priced. So they can't mm-hmm. give you the 15 on, 15% on on the strips, but they will on the meter. So if you go to 40 com forward slash mojo, M-O-J-O. So 40 com forward slash mojo, that'll take you to their site. If you purchase either one of the two kit, their major kits, like I said, the starter and then the deluxe, if you purchase one of those kits, when you get to the checkout, they'll apply a discount of fifteen percent. So it, it ends up being a, a really cost-effective meter with mm-hmm. really cost-effective strips. And and the, like I said, it works like a charm. Um, I love this little thing. I'm using it every day now because again, the strips are inexpensive and it's just it's so easy to use. So uh, I'm keeping up with my ketones because I'm just now kind of cycling back into ketosis after the Super Bowl. And, um, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. kind of monitoring where my ketones are, because again, as I'm looking at starting to try to build up my fitness level, I want to understand if I have a bad day in the gym, was mm-hmm. that because my glucose was a little low? Is that because my ketones weren't where they needed to be, you know, that kind of thing. So, sure. and I also use, I also use their, uh, their urine strips. Uh, even though, again, I don't think they're going to be included in the discount, but those are all available. Uh, You can go to 40plusfitnesspodcast.com forward slash mojo. It's going to give me a slight little kickback on that, not much, but it's going to give you a 15% discount, which I think is really cool.
1: That is fantastic. What a great partnership.
0: So, Rachel, what's going on with you?
1: Good. Uh, Things are good. You know, once a year, I take a visit to my hospital where I visit the high-risk breast cancer clinic I've mentioned in the past that I've got a high risk, high family um, predisposition to breast cancer. And so I see this particular doctor every year and every year it's like a breath of fresh air to hear that I'm ticking all the right boxes. Um, My doctor mentioned that I get enough exercise, obviously I eat well, of course I eat the foods that they suggest we eat to have a healthy, reducing our risk cancer type diet and don't smoke, don't drink in excess, and I'm living the right lifestyle that should reduce my risk for developing breast cancer. And the other interesting thing is that now that I'm 50, I am eligible for um, breast MRIs in in addition to a traditional mammogram. Although based on my age and my lifestyle, the doctor feels like it's not a really good cost uh, risk benefit. Um, So I probably am going to put that off for a little while longer. But the other benefit to this appointment, again, probably because I'm 50, um, they connected me to the hospital's cancer genetics department. And so um, I have an appointment a couple months out because everybody's backlogged these days but i have decided to pursue genetic testing to see if there's any predispositions to breast and other cancers so i'm pretty excited to take that route so it was a great visit i'm glad i went and and i feel pretty good with my health right now
0: yeah well there definitely are some genetic SNPs, i think is what they call them mm-hmm. uh, that give you that kind of that predisposition to that you know angelie jolie had had them yeah. and her mother mm-hmm. and I had family history, so she mm-hmm. she went kind of radical, um, mm-hmm. you know. Which a lot of people talked about, which I, is good. You have those conversations, yeah. you know. I, mm-hmm. We're not into October right now, but uh, <laughs> it's, it's just yep. don't wait till October. You know, there's no right. reason to wait until October uh, to do the right thing for your health. So I'm glad mm-hmm. you got that opportunity, and it'll be yeah. interesting to hear how your your foray into uh, the genetics of it, because I mean, obviously the science is always getting better. Around yeah. some of these things, so uh, it'll be interesting to hear what your what your genetic doctor, gen- geneticist, doctor, or whatever whoever you're going to be dealing with mm-hmm. is going to be able to tell you uh, what yeah. information and how how things look for you on that side of the equation. Absolutely. Yep. I'll keep you posted for sure. All right. So let's have a little bit of a history lesson. What do you think, sure. Rachel? All right. Sounds great. Today, I wanted to take a moment to give you a little bit of a history lesson about health and fitness, particularly in the United States. Um, Interestingly enough, in the last 200 years, uh, we've managed to extend our lives almost double. In 1860, the average lifespan for someone was 39.4 years. Take that in context to what it generally is today, and we're looking at an average lifespan of about 78.9. So, effectively doubling the life that we have on this earth, uh, and there's a lot of reasons for that, but lifespan does not equal health span, and I want to talk in more detail about what that means, is living longer does not mean living better, and in fact, it, it actually probably means living worse, uh, and so I want to take a few minutes to kind of talk about those things, how they relate, and some of the things that have changed over the course of the last 200 years that have made these things possible. So let's talk a little bit about lifespan. How have we managed to double our lifespan uh, in just the last really 200 years, less than 200 years, really? Uh, The first is uh, babies... Live uh, in the past, uh, more babies were lost uh, to early death, infant death, uh, birth d- death at birth. Those things were happening on a fairly regular basis, um, and it was you know, relatively hard to get a, a family, a member, baby uh, up to the age of about fifteen and still be alive. There were a lot of diseases, a lot of things going on, and then just again, just the loss at birth. Uh, We've fixed a lot of that. Uh, we have a lot more technology around medicine uh, that allows us to uh, have the baby live longer and, in many cases, live full, productive lives. Uh, So that's been one good thing for increasing our lifespan, probably the biggest uh, overall mover in lifespan. Uh, The second would be basically safer conditions. Uh, We're aware of a lot more toxins, things that are not safe. Uh, We've changed the way we do construction. We've changed the way we build cars. Um, Cars today are much safer than they were uh, when they first came out. And just everything else, as far as a general lifestyle, puts us in a safer position to survive longer. Um, You know, and now, again, labels on things. Typically, you know there's a story for a reason why uh, you don't eat the silicon packet, and there has to be a sign on it for you to not eat that silicate packet because you're not supposed to eat it. But someone eventually did, or obviously did, or they wouldn't have to put the sign there. So, again... There's a lot more safety encouraged in the workplace, in the home, in consumer products, in all of these different things uh, that have made life uh, longer. We've invented medications and vaccines. So the invention of penicillin, which I'll get into in more detail, the invention of certain vaccines, Uh, which I'll also get into in a little bit more detail later, Uh, they've actually allowed us to live longer. Fewer people are dying of polio and smallpox and measles uh, and that thing. And then, of course, when someone gets sick, they get an infection, we have medications to keep them alive, uh, and we're able to do that, and people are living longer as a result. And, again, just general medicine. We're able to do uh, heart bypass surgeries and things like that and remove tumors and do things like that that we weren't able to do 200 years ago even 100 years ago and as a result people are living longer and then there's generally food security in the past uh, thousands if not hundreds of thousands maybe millions of people have starved uh, due to not having enough food uh, to feed their family Uh, we have much more food security today um, which is allowing us to uh, grow healthier babies uh, have healthier lives Uh, unfortunately uh, the type of food we now use uh, is is actually detrimental to our overall health and our overall lifespan. But no one's starving to death today in a general sense. Very few people on this earth starve to death today versus a uh, hundred years ago and two hundred years ago. So a lot of things have happened in the last two hundred years to extend our our lifespan. And so as a result, you know, uh, in the past they would have more babies because fewer babies would survive as a percentage. So law of averages, if you have 10 kids, you can expect a few of them to survive. Uh, Now we know that's not necessary. So we don't have that problem. So people aren't having multiple babies. They can have one or two and and, and generally understand that those two have a very high probability of making it to adulthood. Um, So lifespan hasn't been increased incredibly, but that creates some problems for us on the other side. Health span. So when we look at our overall health and particularly the Western economies, uh, some of the things we find is that we're overweight and obese, the overweight obese category now makes up the majority of people in Western countries, particularly United States, Canada, United Kingdom and Australia. So if you start looking at that, you realize, okay, if 70, almost 70% of people are overweight and obese, we are not helping our health span. While we might be living longer, that's leading to some pretty significant problems in what we call now lifestyle diseases. Heart disease, high blood pressure, autoimmunity, cancer, these diseases were not a huge problem 200 years ago uh, for various reasons, but predominantly because of the foods and the types of foods that we eat, the lack of movement, different things that have happened. And I'm going to get into that in a lot more detail coming up, but just realize we now suffer from lifestyle diseases that really were very, very rare 200 years ago. And so the other side of it is, though, we also, by living longer, we subject ourselves to more opportunities. So someone may have died of a an accident on the farm at the age of 30. Um, now they're not working, the same individuals are not working on farms, they have much safer jobs, they're living until their 60s, and that's just given them more time for certain lifestyle problems to catch up with them on a health span. So we've increased our lifespan, but we haven't necessarily done as much to improve our health span over that same period of time. And there's a lot of reasons for it, and I want to dive into those uh, today. So what has changed in the last 150, 200 years? Well, probably the biggest is convenience. Uh, We do a lot less physical work. Uh, Tools, machines, everything else. All of that has made our lives easier. So when you look at it, you know, 200 years ago, uh, if you were going to travel to the next town, you would take a horse, okay? Well, riding a horse, if you haven't done it before, is, it can pretty much wear you out, depending on how long you ride and, and the, how, what the course is like that you're riding on, the, the path or the road or whatever. Being on a horse takes a lot more physicality than a lot of people think. Uh, if you're not used to riding a horse, you're likely to be sore after you've ridden a horse for a while. Then there were cars, but the first cars were crank cars and required a little bit of effort to get started. Uh, they were a little bit more work to drive. Uh, We didn't have power steering. We didn't have those other things going on. So there's a little bit more, even, even with a car, there was still more work than a current car. A current car, you can literally start it with a push of a button or start it before you even get in the car. You can literally drive away without using almost any effort at all, sitting in a seat. And when you're going the speed you want to go, you can literally push a button and it will stay at that speed until you tell it not to. And now with autonomous cars, you don't even have to do that. You tell the car where you want to go, and it just takes you there. So less and less effort. And then the other side of it is, well, why even get in a car when there's takeout and delivery? So recognizing that we've had conveniences thrust on us, we've taken advantage of those conveniences because it makes our lives easier, uh, but easier does not necessarily improve health span. So the next big thing that's happened, and one that's just really circling back around as being a problem, is an understanding of the dangers of over-consuming sugar. In 1800, the average American consumed 22.5 pounds of sugar per year. Now, that may seem like a lot when you look at what a five-pound bag is, but let's compare and contrast that with what's going on today and realize most of the 1800s food was not processed at all. It was literally coming from fruits and vegetables. Today, uh, that's not the case. So by 1919, we're going to see some changes in the way food's done. By that time, we were eating 99 pounds, so over four times as much 100 years later, and even today... um, At 2000, we got up to over 150 pounds per year. That is a ton of sugar. That's a whole person worth of sugar. Now, it's trailed down in the last few years, and mainly because of an outreach of people to understand how bad sugar is. So people are cutting back a little bit on their consumption, but we're still well over 140 pounds per year. So in contrast, we're looking at almost a seven-fold increase in the amount of sugar we're eating relative to what our ancestors ate as late as the 1800s. Now, one of the reasons that we eat more sugar is processed food. Just a few little tidbits. Oatmeal was invented in 1854. Now, the interesting thing about oatmeal is up until that time, it was horse food. (laughs) So all this joking about uh, taking horse meds. Uh, The real joke back then was who's eating horse food? But once it was accepted that people were willing to eat horse food, um, the cereal market was born. So in 1877, they started making cereals. And in fact, most of the major brands you recognize today started in around that time, shortly after that time, or in the early 1900s. Those large companies, uh, they started making cereals then, perfecting uh, recipes, competing with each other, combining and forming these global companies that sell tons and tons of this stuff, a lot of it with a lot of extra sugar, and it's all high-calorie, low-nutrition. I mean, they add nutrition or they try to make it nutritious, but in a general sense, they have to go after taste. And so food science today is about taste and texture. It's not about your health. And so recognize that these food companies are making products they know you'll eat more of. They want you to eat more of them. uh, And they've even done some things that really are uncool to make sure that you continue to consume a lot of these products. But processed foods are, are not your friend if you're looking at health and fitness because they're not designed to help make you healthy. They're not designed to be like real food. They're designed to make you buy more, to t- to make it taste good, to make it appealing, so you buy more. Another thing that's happened in the last 200 years is we've moved to a, f- a format of industrial farming. So large, large farms of animals, uh, be it cows or chickens or whatever, are raised together in very, very tight spaces, Um, Being that close to all these other animals, illnesses get passed around relatively quickly. So antibiotics are introduced on a fairly regular basis. And then, of course, they want the largest possible animal they can get. Uh, For the meat, or for, you know, basically to make sure that they're getting volume. So they're injecting these animals with hormones to make them grow faster. So the effect of all of this, the lack of space, the antibiotics, the hormones, and everything else that they do to these animals makes them very sick animals. Eating a sick animal does not make you healthy. So even though you think you're getting a better cut of the animal or you're farming it at a better pace, the reality of is most of these animals are very, very sick and they're not healthy for you. So let's talk about plants because then everybody says, well, let's move to plant-based nutrition and that would be better, right? Well, not necessarily so. Fertilizer was originally invented in 1861 or slightly before then. and, And then it was adopted as a normal thing. So we're talking about, you know, there were fertilizers probably back as far as we know people were growing things, but we're talking about chemicals. We're talking about synthetic fertilizers, these kind of these inventions of if we add this to the soil, the plant grows faster. And that was adopted early 1861 and, and all the way through World War II became kind of this growing trend of using more and more of these chemical and synthetic fertilizers so that the crops had a larger yield. Those fertilizers are causing some problems I'll get into in just a moment. Next, they had to develop these plants to be able to be transported. So if I'm going to try to get this uh, avocado to you that is grown in Mexico, it has to last a little while. If I'm going to take apples that were that were gotten in, say, uh, Washington State, and I need to deliver them to Florida... Uh, I have to make sure that they're transportable. So they've bred the, the, the uh, plants, the, the fruits and vegetables to be more durable, not necessarily for better health, but just durability. How is this thing going to look when it arrives at its location? And then another thing that they do to make sure that these plants are just right when they get to your grocery store is they pick them early. So they will, they will pick them before they ripen. And then they use this technology to keep them from ripening until they get to the location. They call it delayed ripening technology. And they use this ethylene gas that they'll spray on these plants to ripen them up quickly right there at the store or right at the warehouse for that particular uh, vendor. So they're not in the ground nearly as long as they would be. If they were normal plants, if you just planted a heirloom tomato in your backyard that hasn't been farmed lately, uh, those plants will grow slow. They will grow a little. And when they, when they're done and they're ready and they're ripe, they've drawn as much benefit out of the ground, that minerals and the vitamins that you need that they possibly can. Whereas when you pick them early and they're ripening at the store, They didn't have nearly as much time to pick up that stuff that you need. And then again, with the fertilizers and all the other things that are going on, they're growing very quickly and not necessarily for the right reasons. Uh, And you're not necessarily getting all the new nutrition. So plants that we have today, fruits and vegetables we eat today, are not as nutrient-rich as plants were when our great-grandparents and our great-great-grandparents were farming. So just realize that we're not getting as much value for the calorie as we would have in the past. And then, of course, with plants, there's the weed killers like Roundup, glyphosate. Okay, This was introduced in the 1970s. And even though that more and more they know that this is a cancer-causing Uh, element and it's in our foods and when we eat the foods that are made with these things if they're not cleaned properly and even then maybe not then we're getting these this this, the getting this glyphosate in our body and we're this 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 chemical is in our body as a function of these things next i want to jump into light pollution now it seems like a mild thing but most folks don't realize that actual Household lights are not uh, something that's been around forever. Incandescent lights uh, were invented by a guy named Humphrey Davy, but it was Edison that kind of made these things more popular in the 1880s. And so most houses uh, didn't have electricity for a long, long time after that. So most houses were lit by gas or candles all the way past well into the 1900s. In fact, in 1925, almost half the houses didn't have electric power. So you're looking at lights not being a part of the indoor, or at least unnatural lights not being a part of our natural, our normal environment, really in less than 100 years. So for our bodies to adapt to nighttime light, that can be a problem. The next area I want to jump into is toxins. Tens of thousands of toxic chemicals are released into our environment and homes every single day, and over 800 of those are known as endocrine disruptors. Now, an endocrine disruptor basically means it messes with your hormones, in particular your sex hormones. So if you're feeling kind of blah, you're a little bit, you know, maybe uh, feeling a little bloated and and all that, it, it might be that you're being subjected to too many endocrine disruptors, and your estrogen is messed up, your testosterone is messed up, and it's causing you some problems. So where are we getting these toxins? All these toxins are out there. This is not necessarily plants pumping a lot of it in the air, although they are. uh, It's also in your home. So if you have furniture that has flame retardants in it, the pesticides you're using in your yard, the pharmaceuticals that we flush down our toilets that end up in our water, and on and on and on. We are subjected to tens of thousands of toxic chemicals every single day, and those are adversely affecting our endocrine system, our health, the function of our liver, on and on and on. So the the subjection of these toxins, which were not available, not out there 200 years ago, uh, is another problem that's affecting our health span. And then the last one I want to talk about is stress. We live in this new 24-7 news cycle the news is always there. This was not the case. A hundred years ago, even, even when the TV was on, there was one news or two newscasts per day. Uh, when I was growing up you know, as a, as a young adult, I know they had the morning news and then they would turn off and talk about other stuff. You'd come home, there might be a four o'clock, five o'clock and six o'clock and then 11 o'clock news. But they'd give you one news cycle each day It might change a little bit from the morning to the evening, but most people sat, they read the newspaper in the morning, and then they watched the news that night, and that was about it. Now news hits us every single day, all day, all the time. We have notifications on our phone, notifications on our computer, and then add social media. The toxic relationships, the things that are going on there, and then there's just a fact that the news media is on the social media feeding you this stuff, the headlines, all day and all night. It's there. Constant, constant, constant. And then, of course, we have to add tribalism. And this takes all of that, the, the 24-hour news cycle, the social media, and this literally takes up a factor of 10. Uh, the tribalism that's going on in the world today, particularly in the United States, and now we're seeing in other places like Canada, the United Kingdom, Australia, and elsewhere, uh, this tribalism is exploding our stress levels. Uh, and and that's really, really uh, adversely affecting our health. And so I put these in an order, uh, you know, as far as we're talking about our food. It, our food is messed up. It's not what it used to be. Uh, we're not training or working out as much as we used to, or at least doing things physically as we used to. We don't have good quality food. And then there's light pollution. N- you know, Cell phones did not exist, and now they do. And they're in our hands 24-7. We've got watches that buzz and beep and moan. Uh, so we're not sleeping as well. We've got all these toxins that our liver and our body are, is having to deal with and we're not functioning very well with these toxins. And then, of course, the introduction of stress. Uh, your job, whether you're going to keep your job, lose your job. You just, people people used to live you know, knowing that if they're going to work. They have a job for the next 35, 50 years, uh, and nothing is going to take that away from them. That's not the case today. Uh, too much is changing too fast, and it's really struggle for most of us to keep up with that. So with all this bad stuff that's going on, what do we do? Okay, how, how do we take the fact that our bodies were not designed for the lifestyle that we live today? How do we take that step back and solve this problem? Okay, well, the first step in solving any problem is knowing you have a problem. So the first thing I want you to do listening to this podcast is to come to the realization that these things are affecting you, even though you might not believe that they are. They are. And so it's important for you to recognize that first and then take some actions. Now, in my kind of mindset, my um, opinion, the first place to start is food. It's the easiest for you to change, and it's the one that's probably going to move the needle the most for most of us. And the answer for food is get the highest quality real food you can afford. So when I say high quality... I'm not just talking about organic, which yes, is more expensive in the grocery store. I'm talking about food that didn't have to be transported across the world, meaning it was locally grown. It was fresh. It didn't have to go anywhere. So, you know, stayed in the ground until it was ripe and then it was picked and then it was sold to you. You can do this at farmer's markets. You can do this at co-ops. You can look for in your grocery store, locally grown product. That's typically going to be better for you than what you find in most standard grocery store aisles. The other is frozen foods. Surprisingly, a lot of frozen foods, organic frozen foods, were grown all the way to ripeness and then flash frozen, so they were then able to be distributed. That's a better model than the distribution and then ethanol, (laughs) you know, ethylene gas. Uh, So look for foods they're going to give you the highest quality that you can still afford. And farmers' markets, local farms—you uh, know, buying half a cow with your friends. That whatever you need to do, find find ways to get the highest quality real food that you can possibly afford. And that's going to move the need- needle the most for most of us. The second is movement. You have to make movement a priority. And the easiest way to do that is to stop leaning on basic conveniences. If you live within a mile of your grocery store, in all likelihood, you could walk to that grocery store to do your shopping most days and walk back. You don't have to buy 15 bags of groceries. You can go to the store, buy a couple bags. So you get some fresh vegetables, some fresh meat, everything fresh, go home, cook, cook up meals, and then, then two days later, go back. Uh, yes, it takes time, but that investment of time is going to improve your health significantly. So make movement a priority. It doesn't have to be exercise, but just make movement a regular part of most of your days and try to pull some of those conveniences back. I don't own a car here. I I live on an island. Quite literally, the furthest thing from me right now is 15 kilometers. I could walk there if I had to. So, you know, as you look at the way you're living and the things you're doing, look for those conveniences that are not serving you unless they need to serve you. So, yes, of course, if you need to get somewhere quickly, an automobile is the best way to do it. If you don't, can you walk there? Can you walk there? Can you take a taxi back or a a bus back? Can you walk there and walk back? Take those opportunities to add more movement to your day. Stress. Now, stress was the biggest one for me and it took a lot it took a long time but finally i started saying i have to prioritize this and it was the last thing i addressed i wish i had addressed it earlier choose when you let news and social media in so if you if you wake up in the morning and the first thing you do is check news and social media you're already setting yourself up for kind of a frustrating day something bad is going to hit you in the face Every single time you do that. Now, there might be some nice things. You might see a little cat video and this and that make you laugh. That's great. But just recognize that you control your consumption of social media. And so choose when you're going to let that in and do it in bite-sized pieces. It does not need to be a 24-hour cycle. And if you find yourself at 2 o'clock in the morning checking social media, you already have an issue. (laughs) Okay? And then the final thing is uh, on stress is check yourself and see if you feel like you're getting wrapped up in this tribalism stuff. It's really easy because a headline is built to set you off. It's built to set you off as a yay that's good or it's built to say, "Oh my god, they're doing that again." Every single one of those headlines is built to do that. It is a tribal one-sided message focused on an ideology that's intended to upset the other ideology and get both ideologies reading that copy. So check yourself. If you find yourself getting drawn into this stuff on social media or just when you're reading different things, recognize when it's happening, take the step back, and turn it off. You don't need this. Do some meditation. Do some things that help you relax and get over this, particularly if it's in the evening if you know that it's going to affect your sleep. Which is the next one? Sleep is huge, very, very important. I'm gonna. Pu- I'm not gonna put it over food, but I'm gonna put it way up there. But I'm just gonna say this is probably one of the hardest things for most people to address because you either feel like you sleep well or you don't. But I'm gonna say you need to have an, a natural. Nightly ritual, something that's going to relax you, something that's going to let you unwind, something that's going to communicate to your body, it's time to go to sleep. And that means getting away from unnatural light, like screens and light bulbs and other things, TVs, and and literally just saying, I need some time to unwind. And this can be a warm bath. Uh, this can be listening to music. It can be reading fiction in a paper book. It can be just meditating. Um, It could be a lot of things. Brushing your teeth can be a part of, and it should be a part of, your nightly ritual. So just set yourself up with a nightly ritual that communicates to your body. It's time to let go. Move away from the unnatural blue light. Move back to the more amber uh, flame-based lights like candles. And let yourself relax before sleep so your body can get a good restful sleep. I know this is harder said than done, but it's really, really important. And then the final one is toxins, and again, toxins are all around you, Um, so consistently take a moment and audit your lifestyle. The Environmental Working Group has has resources at ewg.org. They've got this really cool app that you can put on your phone. And it literally lets you look up consumer goods. You just scan the barcode. So you can go to ewg.org, and go on your phone, you can look up EWG or Environmental Working Group, pull down their app. It literally lets you look this stuff up so you can see what's in the products that you're using. So your cleaners or your shampoo or your body wash or your makeup or any of that, uh, it may be in- introducing toxins into your system, including some of those 800 or so endocrine disruptors we talked about earlier. So to recap this, the first step in fixing your health and aligning your health span with your lifespan is to understand that they are, there is a disconnect. There is a problem. The first step is getting good, high quality, real food, the highest and best quality you can afford. And that preferably means organic, fewer pesticides, fewer, uh, hormones and locally grown so there's not the artificial things that they tend to do with the food and where possible heirloom and and some of those and a proper rotation of crops where they're getting the getting all the nutrients your body needs again highest quality real foods you can afford movement movement has to be a priority walk if you can ride a bike when you can Don't lean on the conveniences of having a car for something as simple as taking a little jaunt over to the convenience store or the grocery store to buy something you need. If you can take the time, walk there, walk back, ride a bike there, ride a bike back. Those things are going to help you feel a lot better, be healthier, more fit, and align your health span with your lifespan. Anything you can do to manage stress, which means not letting some of it in in the first place. Tribalism, the 24-hour news cycle, and social media are all within your control. You control those inputs into your brain. You control those stressors. So if you let them in, they're going to mess with you. Don't let them in. Choose the times. Particularly in the evening, there's no reason. There's nothing on the internet. There's nothing on the television that's going to adversely affect you before you wake up in the morning 99.999% 99.999% of the time. So let it go. Let all that go. Find a de-stress way to spend the evening so that, uh, final thing here, sleep. You're getting great sleep. Have a good nightly ritual that pulls you away from those things and get your body ready for a good restful sleep. And then finally, toxins. So do an audit of your lifestyle. What are some things that you're doing that are adding toxins to your life? I talked about the website or then the uh the app from Environmental Working Group, but also just other things like if you smoke or if you drink Alcohol. Those are toxins, and so they're adding to your toxic load. So think about the toxins in your life. Do that lifestyle audit and do what you can to reduce those toxins. So if you'll do these things, you will make sure that your health span is more in line with your lifespan, and you'll spend less of your life unhealthy. And in the end, none of us really wants to live longer if we can't live better. So focus on aligning your health span with your lifespan, and you'll be happy, healthy, and fit. Thank you. Welcome back, Raz.
1: Hey, Alan. You know, way back when I was taking the NASM, Certified Personal Trainer, um, course and test, they had said that... 60 at that time, 66% of Americans older than 20 are overweight and 34% are obese. And it was such a high percent to me that it was just really, it just stuck with me. And then they went on to say that, of course, the World Health Organization thinks that lack of physical activity is probably a culprit of that which I kind of agree with as well, but based on your history lesson, that is certainly not the only reason that our country is overweight or obese.
0: Yeah. But uh, you know, a couple things come to mind. One is it's worse now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, that, that textbook yeah. was not that old, but it did it, it, every year the the number gets bigger uh, on both sides, the obesity and overweight. Um, mm-hmm. And so the numbers getting bigger. And we're, we're not being given necessarily all the data we need to resolve mm-hmm. that because you're absolutely right. Uh, the movement aspects of it are a part it's, it's, mm-hmm. but it's, it's like part of a car, you know, you're, you're not going to get anywhere with the chassis. You need the wheels and everything else. And so, <laughs> yep. you know, you, you, you can look at it and say, okay, this is part of the problem, but you could take and fix part of the problem and not really fix the whole problem. Right. It's, it's all of it. It's nutrition. It's movement, it's stress management, it's sleep. Yeah. Um, It's it's all of those things. And the frustrating thing for me is that I could pull a hundred people off the street Mm -hmm. and say, if you needed to lose weight, what would you do? What, 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 what would you do? What are the things you need to do? And, it's, and so it's like, if you put them out there, like the squares where that you can fill in more than one.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Um, everybody's going to know it's, it's, it's diet and the term they would probably use in the survey would be exercise,
1: mm-hmm.
0: better sleep, stress mm-hmm. management, take a pill. Mm-hmm. Um, and a, a small percentage would click, take a pill. Um, mm-hmm. of course, but they all know it's, you change what you eat you move more, you try mm-hmm. to get better sleep, you try to manage your stress, those things are going to help you lose weight. Mm-hmm. Now they may say exercise is the most important and, and I, you know, we can go back and forth. I've had doctors sure. tell me sleep is actually maybe the most important. And I personally believe the food is the most important, but mm-hmm. well, we can go back and forth on that. But I think everybody generally knows those are the things you have to do. Right. The problem is this is the guidelines and things that come forward. And we've seen that in history is that it gets skewed. It gets skewed by politics and people being involved. And so the, the nutrition rules that we've been given, the things we spo- we think we're supposed to do, they're politicized.
1: And as a mm. result,
0: they're not right. They're wrong. And in many cases, they're so horrifically wrong mm-hmm. that we now have an uh, overweight and obesity 70 plus percent. Of Americans Mm -hmm. are overweight or obese. It's like 39% of Americans are obese. That's insane. (laughs) It's just insane. And it's based on data that was skewed. Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: even if new data comes out, the guidelines barely budge. And if they do budge, like they recently decided to drop um, saturated fat or cholesterol from uh, being the bad food, the bad guy. They didn't mm-hmm. like announce it and say, oh, well, guess what? You should actually probably eat eggs and bacon for breakfast. No, they didn't. They just quietly shoved it to the side and then and, then, and no harm, no foul. Mm. And there is a harm and there is a foul, mm-hmm. um, but it's this quiet back away that occurred two or three generations later. And we're suffering the, the consequences of that. Now, what does that mean for the go forward? And unfortunately, we are repeating history again. Mm-hmm. And we will continue to do so until we learn from history. So with COVID, and this frustrates me more than anything, so if I get a little rowdy, I apologize, and <laughs> I have to bleep mm-hmm. some of my language out, which again, if <laughs> happens, I apologize. But you do not hear the leaders anywhere explaining to you, The best thing you can do for this disease is to be healthy in the first place.
1: Mm.
0: And so anything you do to improve your health and fitness makes you a better combatant Mm -hmm. against this virus. This virus kills the weak. I'm sorry, but that's what happens. It's people over 85. It's people with comorbidities. That's who it's killing. It's not killing generally healthy people. Now, if you see someone who you thought was healthy and they died, you probably can look around and if they did some workups, they might find some other things that just weren't visible on the outside. We know people who have type two diabetes, but they look completely healthy. Uh, We know Mm -hmm. people who have heart problems, but they look completely healthy. We know people who have lung issues, but they look completely healthy. Um, and so it happens and yes, it's, 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 it can be hit or miss if you're already healthy to know those things. So a good checkup and making sure you're, you're dotting your eyes, like you said, checking off the boxes you're supposed to check off. Yeah. We have this within mm-hmm. our power. If we do the bare minimum, which, okay. So per, per the world health organization, you know, you keep your sugar down here. You just per the government guidelines, us guidelines, if you move intensely for 75 minutes per week,
1: mm-hmm.
0: that's enough. Okay. But that's low bar thinking. It is.
1: Yeah. That's
0: a, I'm just going to get by. I agree. And I, it's so, I, so it's, I, it's the same thing as like, if you sat there and said, oh, well, here's this chart. And oh, as long as my BMI is 29 and not 30, as mm-hmm. long as my waist is 39 and not 40, mm-hmm. I'm Okay and that's low bar i think
1: that's a good point i think that i think that's absolutely right i think the the information or the guidelines that are out there are just that just guidelines and not necessarily the right things and i guess like i i think my main takeaway would be to consult with your doctor and and get some in, some more information or you know the standard american diet is is an old diet it has been around and it's hardly changed over the years, but it's, maybe it's time to experiment. Maybe it's time to try a plant forward diet or a low carb slash keto type diet or the Mediterranean diet. I think it's, it's worth changing or switching things up to see if
0: that benefits you in any way. Well, the standard American diet has drastically changed um, Mm -hmm. since the, the 1950s. Um, you know, as you know, we talked about the introduction of cereals, we talked mm-hmm. about the introduction of carbs. And as a result, people started eating more of those things. They were cost mm-hmm. effective, Sh- more sugar was available. It was cheap. Yeah. It was easy. And they, it was delicious. Um, <laughs> so more of that was being eaten. And then there's more processed foods. So it's calorie dense, nutritionally weak. And we kept doing that, kept doing that. And then they're like, well, why the heck are we having heart attacks? hmm And they asked the wrong guy. (laughs) Yeah. They they literally asked the wrong guy and everybody got in line and the corporations that were benefiting from it, they paid off scientists. They did the things they had to do to make sure they were on the top, the bottom of that pyramid, to make sure that Mm -hmm. they were the ones that got the most juice out of the, out of the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And that no one will back away completely from it. You can look at the Canadian guidelines relative to the U S guidelines and kind of see the divergence Canada is going in. That was going, is going in the right direction with nutrition. The United States is not going fast enough. And as Hmm. a result, we are suffering this crisis and we have to learn from this. We have to learn that the guidelines and things that are put forward to you while rudimentary and right can be great. Mm -hmm. So COVID, uh, Wash your hands.
1: Sure.
0: Try to avoid touching your face um, and stay away from sick people.
1: Yeah.
0: Those, those yeah. are excellent. Those are, and, and, but, but then as soon as the vaccine was introduced, they stopped talking about that hmm. up until that point, that's all he talked about. Those three things. It was like over and over and over. I actually walked around and took pictures of different sinks. I was washing my hands in, it kind of became a thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, and that was it. Just remind people, wash your hands more often. You know, and then beyond that, all they had to say was the, we noticed the data says the people who are older and have comorbidities are the ones that are dying the, the most.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You can look at a chart. It's easy as you see it. And it's like, okay, so if you have a comorbidity that is a lifestyle disease, like diabetes, like heart disease, like being yeah. overweight, those things, mm-hmm. you can do something about it. You, If you're listening to this podcast, then you know, you can, because I've said you can, but beyond that, you wouldn't be listening to this podcast if you didn't know there was an answer. Right. You're you're wanting to change something. So to change something, you got to do something. And all I'm saying is from this whole prospect is learn from history. You are your advocate. You are the right person to take care of you. And Mm -hmm. you know, you know, in your heart, exactly what you need to do. You need to change the way you eat. You need to change your movement, improve it, do more. Uh, You need to look at this all holistically and say, what do I need to do to make myself healthier? And that is going to make you more resilient. And Mm -hmm. that's going to help you beat this. Yes, you can go get vaccinated. And I encourage you, particularly if you're in a high risk group, go do that. Mm -hmm. Yes. Stay away from sick people. Uh, if you need to, if you can do what you have to do to protect yourself for sure, but the most important thing you can do to protect yourself is to just be healthier, get your vitamin D, get outside, move around, find joy in your life, sleep Mm -hmm. well, eat well, do the things, you know, that are going to make you healthier and happier, and that's going to help you get past this.
1: Absolutely. Like, like I had mentioned in the beginning, you know, I work really hard to maintain as healthy of a lifestyle that I can because I want to suppress as much as I possibly have under my control, the chances of me getting breast cancer. That is my biggest health fear um, because that's what I've been dealt for genetics. And so I work really hard at that. And But that translates to everything. I'm also working hard to, uh, reduce my risk for, uh, diabetes and heart disease and, and, and survive illnesses, whether I get shingles or the chicken pox or, um, even COVID. So I feel like the healthier my body is, the healthier I'll be able to respond. And I think that's, that's the key takeaway that everybody should take home today.
0: Because when I went into the hospital here uh, and got tested, because Tammy, Tammy would test it positive first. So the next day, because you have to go in the morning, it's like a two-hour window for
1: mm-hmm. testing.
0: So I went in the next morning and I got tested. And you know, I'm sitting out there and the doctor calls me over and he he, he said, positivo. Mm. I'm like, okay. And he's like, no, 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 no. Like I, I, you know, I'm like, okay, I I got it. I, I'm gonna go home. I'm gonna <laughs> stay home for a couple of weeks and then I'm gonna mm-hmm. get over it. But he's looking at me, he's like, no, you're, fi-, he's thinking, I know what he's thinking is you're 56 years old and you have COVID. Yeah. You know, yeah. you're going to die. Right. And, and <laughs> I said, okay. And I, you know, he's like, no, no, no. Positivo. I'm like, uh-huh. This is solemn positivo. And I'm like, okay. You know, I know this is not good news, but uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, and I just said to him, he said, I, I just go home and-, and get, you know, and he's like, he's like, no, no, no. He says, you have a ride. And I'm like, no, no, I was going to walk home. Mm -hmm. And it was, uh, I think, I think that, uh, that hospital is something like about, uh, maybe a a mile and a quarter, Okay. maybe, no, maybe, maybe two miles, maybe close to two miles from my home and from, from Lula's. And he's like, like, I'm just going to walk home and and then I'll, I'll be there. he's like, no, no, you have to go in the ambulance.
1: Oh gosh. (laughs) Not if you're not
0: sick. Right. Well, I. I had COVID, you know, so in their minds, I, I was, I was done. You know, my, my blood oxygen never went below 95.
1: That's good.
0: You know, most of the time I was sitting right around 97, 98. Mm -hmm. And, and so I was never in any danger. I was never, you know, anything. I just, I was fatigued and lost taste and smell. And I still don't have my smell back, but. Um, Mm. that, that makes me capable to do a lot of jobs around Lula's that most people (laughs) wouldn't want to do, but, (laughs) oh uh, but all that said, you know, um, and I don't mean to joke about it because I know it's a very serious thing, but Mm -hmm. I ate well, I slept well, I managed stress. And while during that period of time, because of COVID, because everything else, I couldn't do the things I always did. I had put on some weight. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I was at a higher weight. Than I would normally like to be uh, within mm-hmm. the normal ranges that I bounce around. I was maybe about five, maybe seven or eight pounds over what my what my normal roof was for a a feasting period of the year. Uh, mm-hmm. But that makes sense because I, sure. I stretched a normal feasting of uh, of like four months into sixteen. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so of oh, course, uh, but that said, even when I feast. I tend to eat really good food. I go for the higher quality stuff. I eat a lot of vegetables. I eat meat. Um, I don't eat a lot of processed stuff. I don't eat a lot of bread and other stuff. You know, when I'm on my feast, I tend to eat a little more of it. But, you know, now I'm back in a famine and I don't. It's just meat and vegetables. That's Mm -hmm. that's it. But that's the point. Mm -hmm. If you want to learn from history, history tells you that the guidelines that are out there are not what you necessarily need to be following. And in many cases, they just don't go far enough. Yeah. So find your lines. And, you know, yes, if you're not getting the 75 minutes of intense exercise or 150 minutes of moderate exercise, set that as your next goal. You know, a lot of people yeah. sit there and say, you know, do two that 10,000 steps, you're looking at, oh, I'm only doing two now. That seems like a huge, well, then just make it five. Just mm-hmm. start with something. Right. Set it at 5,000, start with something. And then when you get to five, look at 10. You yeah. get to 10 and say, well, I wonder what 15 would feel like. Yeah. And yep. that's how you get there. You, you know, but if you just sit there and say, oh, well, I'm at 10, I'm just going to stay at 10. And then uh, that's not enough to help you get to your goals. You'll give up on it. Mm-hmm. So just realize that those guidelines are are fine. The rules of thumbs are simple because we love simple, oh, um, yeah. but the life is more complex than that. By our biology is much more complex than that. So mm-hmm. take the time, but be your own advocate and yes. don't just settle for what the government or what the standards say you should do. Do what you know you need to do for yourself.
1: Yep. I think that's great. Great takeaway, Ellen. All right. Well, Raz, I'll
0: talk to you next week then.
1: Sounds great. Take care. You too. Thanks. Bye. Bye-bye.
0: Next time on the 40 plus fitness podcast we discuss how to build a fitness program that's right for you. Until then, have a happy and healthy week.